Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Cobram Estate, Australia's most loved extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested, and cold-pressed right here in Australia, Cobram Estate produces award-winning, premium, quality extra virgin olive oils that contain antioxidants and healthy monounsaturated fats. You can find Cobram Estate's collection of fresh Australian extra virgin olive oils at any leading supermarket or use my code LEANNE20 to purchase direct from their website for some savings until April the 8th only. Visit cobramestate.com.au. Today's expert guest is Chloe McLeod, who is a sports dietitian and the founder and director of nutrition consultancy Verde Nutrition Co., where she works with her team to provide individual nutrition consultations via telehealth, as well as providing corporate wellbeing services and consulting to the food industry. Chloe has over 14 years of experience and her key areas of expertise are gut health, food intolerances and performance nutrition. Be it working with individuals, corporates or food industry, Chloe knows how to help you bridge the gap so her clients feel plugged into their healthier selves. You can follow Chloe on Instagram at Chloe underscore McLeod underscore dietitian. And on today's episode, Chloe and I discuss key nutrient requirements and considerations for athletes and active individuals. We talk about the Mediterranean diet and the SMILES trial, the link between extroversion olive oil and mental health, budget constraints, illness and injury, and body composition. We discuss the difference between good fats and bad fats, and finally, what a practical day on the plate looks like with a focus on the Mediterranean-style diet and extra virgin olive oil for everyday athletes such as you and I. So grab a pen and paper and let's dive into today's episode with Chloe. Welcome back to the Leanne Ward Nutrition Podcast, Chloe. We're very excited to have you back on today. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. I'm very excited to be back on as well. Wonderful. Well, the last time we were chatting, you were living in Sydney. Now you're living your best life in South Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about the move and how you've been uh, doing down there? I can, I can. Um, gosh, it's um, been a bit of a whirlwind, but I um, I moved back to Adelaide about a year ago now, I'm a bit over that, but around a year ago. And Last time we spoke, I don't think I had any kids. Now I have two. Um, so, you know, it's, it has been a, a long time between chats, um, but it's been a, been a really wonderful change to move back to be closer to both mine and my husband's families. And I've started a new business, Verde Nutrition Co., um, which I would love to tell you a little bit about. And, um, you know, this morning I was working on the back deck. There were bunnies running around the backyard. It was quite lovely. Oh, you don't get that in Sydney, do you? You do not get that in Sydney. <laughs> Might get a couple of horns, <laughs> early morning traffic, no bunnies though. No bunnies, no bunnies. But no, I, I started Verde Nutrition Co. Um, about a year ago as well. So it was in, in January last year and it's a, a telehealth nutrition consultancy and we've got now a team of six dietitians wow. who are all experts in their own particular area. So we've got fertility, gut health, eating disorders, diabetes, heart health, sports performance. So um, it means that no matter where you're located, you can access a dietitian who's got the expertise that you need um, rather than um, hoping that the person who is in the place that you live is the right person or 
the local one to where you're living in a big city is the right one. Wonderful. And that's what, what's all about these days post-COVID, isn't it? Actually being able to reach clients all over the world um, without that sort of barrier to having that physical location. Exactly right. And I think sometimes trying to get to an appointment can be the biggest barrier in itself with, you know, being stuck in traffic with all those horns and, you know, trying to find a car park, trying not to get a parking fine, all that sort of stuff. So anything we can do to remove the barriers to to receiving great healthcare, I think is fantastic. Amazing. And that's why I love doing this podcast as well. Like we're offering what I would say, like world-class advice and expertise to people all around the world for free. So we're very grateful to have you on the podcast today because I know your background, like myself, is in gut health, but you particularly in also um, sports nutrition and performance nutrition as well, which I love. So when you were telling me about the sort of the newer research that you were looking into with athletes and extra virgin olive oil, I thought that sounds really cool because we know that, of course, athletes are a really good subgroup that always look after their diets. Like they're very compliant when we give them dietary advice, aren't they? But linking that with extra virgin olive oil, which we know is one of what I would call the healthiest foods on the planet, I thought that was really cool to kind of go through some of that newer research happening in that space. Yeah, awesome. And I'm really excited to to chat about it with you today as well. It's fantastic when you can see sort of you know, everyday pantry items having such um, important impacts on how people are able to feel and perform on a daily basis. Wonderful. So let's start by thinking about what we will call everyday athletes. So I would call you and me everyday athletes. So we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not training professionally. We're not getting paid for it. We're not at the top of our class, but we do like to exercise. We do like to stay active. So I would call people like you and me everyday athletes. And I like to think of us all like everyday athletes, right? We all should be considering performance as part of our, you know, nutrition um, strategies as well, performing in our everyday life, performing in, even if we just go to a standard gym class or we go out for a, you know, a 5k run, we should be thinking about performance as part of them as well. So what are some key nutrient requirements when we think about, active individuals or everyday athletes. Yeah. And I, I really love your examples there, Leanne. And, and I completely agree. I think often when people talk about athletes, they talk about elite athletes. So people who do get paid to exercise and um, that's literally their job. Mm-hmm. But just because everyday athletes aren't getting paid, it doesn't mean that performance is not important. It's it's actually often about performing well across more areas of life rather than particularly in sport. And um, it's you know it's not just about that sports performance when we're when we're looking at the nutrition requirements of our everyday athletes there when i'm talking with my clients i like to think about the the really key pillars so looking at our protein our carbohydrates our vegetables and our healthy fats and then it's how do how do we adjust the intake of those depending on an individual's specific needs so for example somebody who is doing Um, a significant amount of endurance type activity is going to require a lot more carbohydrate um, on their plate as part of their diet than somebody who is doing some sort of shorter, sharper exercises in the gym um, and is training for less minutes and and hours in the day. Somebody who is looking at um, building muscle mass and um, trying to gain size, we might do some quite specific things with adjusting timing of consumption of certain nutrients, um, which I'm sure has been spoken about on this podcast before um, to help with um, doing that. But it still comes back to those really key foundations of eating the right foods at the right times. Wonderful. And so we know that nutrients are important, whether you're an elite athlete or an everyday athlete. 
How does something like the Mediterranean diet tie into, or that style of eating tie into thinking about exercise and performance? Because we've had an expert on the podcast before chatting about what the Mediterranean diet is, and we know it's a great dietary pattern for health in general, and also people who perhaps have cardiac issues or even, you know, sort of like a weight management focused dietary pattern. But how would that benefit something like athletes? Yeah, it's. I think it's a it's a great question. So. Athletes are people too, is at the crux of it, no matter what level of athlete you are. And so looking at something like the Mediterranean diet, which we know is a diet which is particularly rich in polyphenols, antioxidants, all of the nutrients, which are I like to talk about them as the, the little nutrients which help our bodies run effectively. We've got you know, our big macros, which I mentioned before, our protein, our carbs, our fats, but then we've got all the little ones which that Mediterranean diet is particularly rich in. Um, And that's because it's got such a big focus on our plant-based foods, such as our vegetables, our fruits, nuts, seeds, extra virgin olive oil, um, to make sure that we are getting those nutrients into our diet. So the way that the Mediterranean diet is then particularly helpful for an athlete, um, whether it's an everyday athlete or an elite athlete, it is that it's just that really healthy dietary pattern. And it's all about how we would then adjust the consumption of those nutrients dependent on an individual's needs. There's so much excellent research around the Mediterranean diet and sports performance and how we can then utilize those nutrients to help us to perform at our best. So choosing whole grain carbohydrates to fuel us through the day, choosing great sources of quality protein, whether it's coming from legumes, whether it's coming from fish, um, as, as well as adding in that color, as well as adding in those healthy fats, um, is really, really beneficial. And how does a glass of red wine fit into that dietary approach for the everyday athlete or the elite always, athlete? Always, always. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think it fits in a little bit more for that everyday athlete than the elite <laughs> athlete. Um, I think it's often a little bit more likely to be on the table, but you know, it is all about balance and, um, as I know, we, we both speak to our clients about it's it's about helping people with where they're at. And um, if you want to include um, a glass of red wine in as part of your regular way of being, then in, I think it's something that can certainly be fit in. Um, obviously, aiming to stick within the recommended intake of alcohol. So for, for females, that's no more than one standard drink per day with, with a couple of alcohol-free days per week. But at the same token that it can still fit in there. And if that means that you're feeling like I've been able to enjoy that beautiful glass of wine and then that's helping you to make better choices otherwise um, and stick to that more Mediterranean-style diet, then um, I think it's actually a really good way to go. Yeah, and I like when you said it was about meeting people where they are because, you know, if someone doesn't drink, of course we're not going to recommend that they just start drinking a glass of wine every night. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that'd be terrible, right? Like what are these dietitians doing? (laughs) But if it is something that people, you know, regularly enjoy, perhaps just reducing down the consumption of it because I think as a nation – let's be honest, I think we all drink too much or yeah. the average Australian drinks too much. So reducing that down and choosing better quality alcohol, um, you know, that's richer in polyphenols and you're getting those antioxidant benefits like something like a good quality um, red wine can be more advantageous than just downing, you know, six beers on a Friday night because you've had a bad week. <laughs> and I think that's exactly it, right? It's um, it's about looking at what you're going to choose to include and being a bit strategic in what you have, when you have it, how much you have. And, you know, that advice is likely to differ between, you know, from client to client as well, right? Um, you know, if I think about the people I've seen in the past few weeks, there's some who it's like 
I know they're drinking too much, but it's not something that they want to be working on yet. So we don't work on it yet. We'll look at it once the time comes. Others are, I need to reduce it. So we talk about different strategies that they can use to reduce their intake. Yeah, we've got to meet people where they are, aren't they? And when, exactly. where they're um, willing to make those changes because that's where we get the biggest benefits long-term and the most consistency long-term. Exactly. All right. So we know the Mediterranean diet is very, very important. And as part of that, of course, we have our wonderful extra virgin olive oil as well. Um, how does the Mediterranean diet and extra virgin olive oil link in with, and I'm going to ask you a couple of different key categories around the Mediterranean diet, because mm-hmm. I'm particularly interested when it comes to active individuals, how this links with mental health illness and injury, body composition, and also budget restraints. Because everybody tells me like, Leanne, I know extra virgin olive oil is so healthy, but you know, it's not really affordable for me at the moment. So can we start with the Mediterranean style diet and mental health? What does the research tell us there if you are someone who is an active individual plus minus an athlete? Yeah, perfect. Such a good question. And um, it's honestly one of my favorite topics to talk about is mental health, Mediterranean diet. So As a starting point, we can look at extra virgin olive oil quite specifically and the fat-soluble vitamins and the different phenols that it contains. And extra virgin olive oil is particularly rich in these and there's great research that shows that this can help from a cognition perspective. So not specifically mental health, but it's actually helping your brain work better, more effectively. If we then move into that more mental health side of things, there's a huge amount of research around mental health and the Mediterranean diet. And in particular, I want to call out the SMILES trial, which I'm sure you've heard of before. Um, The SMILES trial was a trial which was done down um, in Melbourne and it was a randomized control trial, so a very good quality type of research. And this particular um, trial has become one of the cornerstone research trials that was has been done in this particular area. At the end of the trial, at the end of the SMILES trial, they found that a third of those who were in the dietary support group actually met the criteria for remission of major depression. That's a third of the people who were in the entire study. And this was compared to 8% of people who were in the social support only group. So in this trial, there was social support and then there was dietary intervention and social support and then there was the control group. And so the people who got that social support coupled with the dietary changes had this incredible outcome to the point that um, the people who were in the other groups were then provided with the intervention because it was such a positive outcome. And the other really interesting finding from this particular study was that the people who made the most changes to their diet were the people who got the best outcomes. So they were the people whose depressive symptoms reduced the most. And that was once everything else had been controlled for around weight changes and any other social um, socio factors that were going on as well. So um, from a mental health perspective, um, this trial was incredible. And the type of diet that was used in it was called the Modi Med diet. So it was a version of the Mediterranean diet, which was slightly tweaked to make it a little bit more Australian. Uh, So there was a little bit more red meat and and a couple of other small changes in there. But overall, it was still uh, very, very close to what we would call a normal Mediterranean diet. And um, as we know, Mediterranean diet has that big focus on your vegetables, your fruits, your whole grains, your nuts, seeds, extra virgin olive oil, as well as, you know, your fish and your red wine and, and other bits and pieces in there as well. So 
we know that this can be particularly beneficial. And when we think about athletes, often we don't think about mental health being a thing. But as I said earlier, athletes are people too. Elite athletes can have depression and, you know, you see them coming out in the media all the time of having um, elite athletes having mental health issues. So no matter if you are an everyday athlete like you and I or if you are an elite athlete, incorporating this way of eating can have a huge impact on your mental health and how you feel as well as your cognition when you start to look at how you can incorporate that extra virgin olive oil in there in particular. And it's such a powerful study, isn't it? I remember the first time I read about the SMILES trial and I was blown away. And correct me if I'm wrong, all the participants met the criteria for major depressive symptoms in the beginning. So you couldn't go into the study and just say, have a bad day every now and then. Like these were people with major depressive symptoms. The majority were on medication and they were actually able to reduce or stop their medication by the end of the study. Of course, in line with doctors and stuff, they didn't just let patients do that themselves. But the the impact of the Mediterranean style diet and the social support on these people was so profound that I remember the study just going like global, like people were talking about it all over the world, like how just changing your new nutrition in as little as, was it like eight or 12 weeks? Like it was only a really short time frame, wasn't it? In 12 weeks. 12 weeks can have such a profound impact on that brain and on your mental health as well. Like it's just incredible what the power of nutrition can do. And I think that that's one of the things that I loved most about this when this study came out and, and still love now is it's such a good example that what you eat matters because mm-hmm. people often go, oh, it's just this, it's just that. And, you know, there's all these other things, so it couldn't be the food. But this is just the perfect example that goes, well, actually, social support's great, physical activity's great, and they're both very important, don't get me wrong. But making those dietary changes can have such a profound, significant impact. And and as you say, the people in the study they, they did qualify as having a major depressive problem and majority were on medications and they were able to change that by the end of the study. It's incredible. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, the Mediterranean diet, like there's so many benefits to it and it just amazes me how this is one of the gold standard dietary patterns in the world, yet so many people haven't heard about it or they have, but we're not really implementing it and we're not really practicing it. So I guess injury and illness is something that we're seeing a lot, particularly post-COVID. You know, everybody's really worried about um, illness, um, you know, immunity, that sort of thing. But of course, whether you're an elite athlete or an active individual like you and I, injuries suck. Nobody wants to get injured. You know, it's the worst thing to have to come back from and go to the re- have and do all the exercises. We <laughs> want to try and prevent it wherever possible. There are links between the Mediterranean diet and like an anti-inflammatory response, aren't they? Is that why this dietary pattern comes in helpful for reducing injury and illness? Is it because of the inflammation pathways? Yeah, exactly. So there, there's a couple of components to it. So when it comes to preventing or reducing duration of illness and injury, the, the biggest thing is around ensuring that somebody is is fueling themselves adequately so that they're eating enough to support the, the work that they're going to do. Um, so I like to sort of imagine a bit of a pyramid. So that's the base. So once you know that that's being ticked off, then you start looking into the quality of their diet more closely. And because the Mediterranean style diet is able to provide so many nutrients, which are particularly anti-inflammatory and particularly helpful with helping the body to function at its best, it means it's going to help with supporting that recovery from that illness or injury as well as preventing it from happening in the first place more effectively. In this instance, I actually want to call out extra virgin olive oil in particular. 
Evu contains specific anti-inflammatory compounds. And my favorite example of this is one called oleocanthal. Mm-hmm. And it's such a fantastic bioactive compound. So oleocanthal actually acts in a really similar way to ibuprofen. So neurofen um, or similar, similar products, oleocanthal actually has been shown that in taking a 50 gram dose of extra virgin olive oil, it actually provides around 10% dose or similar action to what taking that ibuprofen would have provided, which when you think about it, that's just quite incredible and astounding that something which is in everybody's pantry is able to provide that significant reduction in inflammation in the body, really in, you know, two tablespoons worth. So by incorporating that 50 grams or two and a bit tablespoons worth, um, we're able to get that really anti-inflammatory impact. And it's specifically because of that oleocanthal that is doing that, plus the extra anti-inflammatory impacts from the other bioactive compounds and the healthy fats, which are found in the extra virgin olive oil. The other thing to call out here is from a joint health perspective as well. So from an injury perspective, perspective, if we're looking at, say, a knee injury, ankle injury, again, oleocanthal has been shown to be quite beneficial when it comes to degenerative joint diseases. So something like osteoarthritis, we're looking at our sort of everyday population, but people who haven't developed that yet, but who are getting that wear and tear on that joints from being quite active, incorporating the extra virgin olive oil can help with um, reducing some of the, the pain and the inflammation that can be associated with that as well. So again, a really important component of the Mediterranean diet to include. That's crazy because I know like I think it's so I guess common now to understand how important extra virgin olive oil is and I very you know I try my best to make people aware of what a powerful healthy fat it is and the anti-inflammatory properties in there but when you really look at some of the research in terms of I don't know anyone who would happily take you know a neurofin if they didn't need to and you know we've got a particular style of eating pattern plus a certain amount like you said about two sort of tablespoons a day of something like a good quality extra virgin olive oil it's actually quite easy to get in like one of my favorite brands as I know yours is is Cobram Estate it's a wonderful Australian brand I use their um infused range. So I'll use the truffle range in some of my salads. I'll use the garlic range if I'm cooking, um, you know, my protein and that sort of thing. Like it's so easy for me to put a tablespoon in a pan to cook my protein and then another tablespoon as part of a salad dressing as well. Like it's not a hard amount to actually get in each day, is it? Exactly right. And it's, again, it's something you can buy it from any supermarket and particularly the Cobram Estate one. I know, as you say, we both really love that brand. It's really good quality for like for a really good price point. And it means that you can get these nutrients in so easily, whether it's in your dressings, whether it's in baking, salads, it's, you know, there's so many different ways of using it as well. Yeah. And I'm curious to know that, um, is it the polyphenol compound, the oleocanthin that you said? Yes. The oleocanthal, which is in particularly anti-inflammatory. So there's, there's a number of different anti-inflammatory compounds within, um, extra virgin olive oil. Um, I generally refer to them as bioactive compounds. Mm-hmm. The oleocanthal is the one that has the most research around it mm-hmm. um, when we're looking at this anti-inflammatory illness and injury joint health perspective, though, which is is why I wanted to call it out specifically here today. 
Yeah, wow. And I mean, obviously it's found in extra virgin olive oil. Are there any other foods or drinks that it, it's found in or no. is it the most prevalent or you only really know about it in extra virgin olive oil? It's only really found in extra virgin olive oil or in your Nurofen as, as ibuprofen. Yeah, wow. so, That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know which one I'd, I'd prefer. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're interrupting this podcast to bring you a quick update from today's episode sponsor, Cobram Estate. What and how you eat has a profound effect on your physical and mental health. The Mediterranean diet with extra virgin olive oil at its heart is one of the most studied dietary patterns and comes out as a clear winner for your health. You gain maximal benefit from about two to three tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil a day. And by teaming your oil with vegetables, you get a double whammy effect as the extra virgin olive oil can help better absorb some food components found in vegetables. For example, carotenoids found in carrots. Cobram Estate is Australia's most loved extra virgin olive oil brand and is one of the world's most awarded olive oil brands, winning over 450 quality awards, including best in-class trophies and gold medals at the New York International Extra Virgin Olive Oil Competition. Founded by two Australian farmers with a passion for quality, their olives are harvested and cold-pressed in northwest Victoria within four to six hours to deliver exceptional freshness and taste. When it comes to extra virgin olive oil, the fresher it is, the better it is for you. You can find Cobram Estate's collection of premium quality Australian extra virgin olive oils at any leading supermarket or use my code LEANNE20 to purchase direct from their website for some savings. Visit shop.cobramestate.com.au slash discount slash LEANNE20. And please note the discount can't be used in conjunction with any other discount code and will be valid for one month until April the 8th. Now let's jump back into our podcast. All right. So Mediterranean diet, it's a wonderful style of eating. It's great for our mental health. We now know it's really helpful for illness and injury, particularly when we're including the right amount of extra virgin olive oil. Now, how does it help with something like body composition or fat loss? Because I know a lot of people are very fearful of having too many fats from a calorie perspective. Is there research to show us that a Mediterranean diet can be helpful for body composition or fat loss? Yeah. So it's really, it's a really interesting one because I think a lot of the time people shy away from consuming fat, but we know fat is a nutrient which actually helps us to feel really satiated and full. And I wouldn't call a Mediterranean diet high fat, but it's certainly got a lot more healthy fats in it than what a sort of a standard Western style diet does. But because of that, it will leave you feeling significantly more satiated. On top of that, though, it tends to be a diet which is quite high in fiber as well as having adequate amounts of protein. So those three things all coupled together leave you feeling really satisfied from what you're eating, which means there's less risk of consuming extra calories, which means you're more likely to either see some body fat loss or maintenance depending on where things are up to for you. And as a result, that can help with um, improving your body composition as well. Mm. And I guess when you think about the good types of fat, say avocado and nuts and salmon and extra virgin olive oil and what you put them with, like I don't ever use extra virgin olive oil to cook protein and put it into like a salad dressing or something. It's not like I'm going to pour it over my brownie or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So when (laughs) you're focusing on those types of good fats, you're focusing on foods that are more filling as well. Like avocado is quite filling. Salmon is quite filling. And when you're looking at nuts and seeds, you put them as part of a balanced meal. Again, no one's really going to 
I mean, people do eat nuts and chocolate together, but you're more likely to put nuts on top of a salad or something like that. So you're pairing it with foods that are more filling and satiating, like you said, which we know is better for um, body composition. It's almost like you're geared towards more volume style eating, which I've done a podcast on before as well, which again is quite helpful for body composition because it naturally helps to just lower the energy density or the calories of the diet as well. Exactly. So it's, um, you know, it's the perfect way of eating that fits really well in line with volume eating. Yeah. And I guess, especially if you love those types of foods, like I love fish and salmon. I love legumes. I love extra virgin olive oil, avocado, olives. Like they're all of my favorite things. So yeah. having that within the one like dietary style pattern, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'll happily take a cheeky glass of red wine and a little bit of sourdough on the side. Cheeks sign me up any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I even think about my lunch today. It was like, you know, big salad, chickpeas, some tuna, big drizzle of my extra virgin olive oil over the top. And like it probably sounds like such a typical dietitian lunch, but um, <laughs> I'm also just like it's just it's such an easy, nutritious and delicious meal um, that, you know, it really ticks that those Mediterranean diets boxes. Um, but it's filling, as you say, and so easy. So good. You're still dreaming about your lunch, aren't you? <laughs> I am actually. I was just like, hmm, it's starting to get close to dinner time now. <laughs> It's time for a snack. <laughs> all right. And the last one I really wanted to try and link in with this Mediterranean style diet, because I know a lot of people are like, all right, Leanne, Chloe, you've convinced me. Like, I get it. I get it. You've been harping on about it. Probably me, Leanne, for the better part of like two years now. Like, I get how important <laughs> it is. But what about the budget constraints? Because I get yeah. it. Everything, the cost of living is so high right now. Food bills, like my food bill at the supermarket, has gone up like fifty to one hundred dollars compared to what it was a year or two ago. Like it's crazy. Yeah, like, I do have a small person, and she does eat quite a lot of food, <laughs> my toddler, but like not you know an extra hundred dollars worth. Put it that way. So yeah. everybody is really concerned about budgeting at the moment, as we should be. How does this dietary pattern link in with budget constraints? Is there any research showing us that it is cheaper or more expensive than other sort of like Western style dietary patterns or say, for example, a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet overall? Yeah. So um, when I when I saw this question come through, I was like, I know I've read a paper on this. I need to go and find it. So I, I found it. And the the key finding from this study was that following a Mediterranean style diet as opposed to a typical Aussie diet was actually $22 per week cheaper than that Aussie diet. So if you think about $22 over the course of the year, one week doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, once you're at a month, you're $88. And, um, you know, here we are suddenly, you know, you get to later on in the year and you're saved over $1,000 purely from one small change of following a more nutritious diet anyway. I think there's often that misconception that, things can be quite expensive. And I think one of the things you mentioned at the start of the podcast was like, it's just expensive. Um, Wait until things are on special and then buy them in bulk. So I know for me, when when I buy my extra virgin olive oil, I wait until I see that the Cobram Estate stuff is on sale and and then I buy, buy enough to get me through for however long and then make sure that I've ended up saving quite a bit of money because I've bought it when it's on special incorporating a more plant-based diet. So rather than eating lots of meat and and lots of animal-based foods, but following a more plant-based diet is often a lot cheaper as well, which is really in line with that Mediterranean way of eating. Not suggesting you need to become vegetarian or vegan, but really being mindful of what you're spending your money on when it comes to those animal proteins in particular can have a really big impact. I feel like it's a whole podcast in itself in different tips and things you can do on budget eating and how to reduce 
costs at the supermarket um, because you're right, prices have certainly gone up and it does put a lot of pressure on families. Um, I know like with my kids, every time I'm like, oh, they didn't finish that meal and it's like chucking it in the, in the food scrap bin, it's like, man, this is, it adds up super quickly, particularly when you've got little kids who love to throw their food on the floor and whatever else. But there are strategies that you can use to, to help with managing that budget. But even without that budget management, $22 less per week. That's crazy. And I think a lot of us think about being selective with the Mediterranean style diet, right? Like we go, all right, I'm going to have some extra virgin olive oil and have some salmon, but continue to follow my Western style diet. So if you pick out the top two or three things that are a little bit at a higher price point, then of course, you're not really going to get the full benefit from following the full dietary pattern. And it is going to be a little bit more expensive. So you have to really make that swap overall, because when you look at what the Mediterranean diet is at its whole, we're talking about whole grains and legumes as a large component of it, aren't we? Like, you know, what is it, five, six, seven serves really of those sorts of things compared to sort of just two, three servings of something like extra virgin olive oil. So it is really like things like a bag of rotos, what, $1.50, $2, yeah. a tin of legumes or a tin of brown lentils, again, $1 to $2. You go to the farmer's markets, if you pick seasonal produce that's in bulk, you can share it with your neighbor, buy a big box of X, Y, and Z and share it with your family members. You can actually save a significant amount of money on more of these plant-based foods and these whole grains as well. But I think that really where I've seen huge price increases is in meat and is around dairy as well. And they're two things that the Mediterranean style diet almost limits or significantly limits compared to what the average Australian is actually consuming. You know, as you said, the Modi Med diet, the Australian version of the Mediterranean style diet, that's more like, you know, maybe once or twice a week we'd have red meat compared to probably the three, four, five times that most Australians are actually eating it. And doing simple things like Meatless Monday, um, you know, um, I like to call it like fake away Friday where you make your favorite takeaway. So yeah. instead of getting like fish and chips and let's be honest, like we got fish and chips, we don't get it regularly, but it was like $64 or something like a month ago. And I was like, oh my goodness, like it's so expensive. I would much rather make it myself, like blitz up some sourdough, put in a little bit of extra virgin olive oil, some herbs, make my own crumb, do my own fish, put it in the air fryer. And it's going to be 10 times cheaper and healthier as well, just doing it myself. So having that in your household, if you've got little kids, like a fake away Friday where you make your favorite takeaway, but healthier at home is going to be better from a budgeting perspective, but also from a health perspective. So there are definitely some things or some strategies we can implement from a budget perspective. But I think the biggest thing that I've really seen in my clinic is that you have to implement the dietary pattern overall, not just pick and choose one or two parts of it to really see those budget benefits, don't you? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's where that difficulty comes in where it seems like it's more expensive. It's when you're picking the things that, oh, they sound really great and you maybe are getting the most health benefits from one specific part of that way of eating they're also often the, the more expensive things, but by adopting the entire pattern, you're getting that mix of everything. Yeah, definitely. And I'll just quickly ask you to break down for our listeners at home, the difference between the good fats and the bad fats, because we've talked about the Mediterranean style diet being richer in good fats than say what the average Australian diet is. What do you consider a good fat and what do we consider a bad fat? And I'd also love to add in what I call neutral fats into the middle there as well, because there's a couple of foods that I see in the media that are really 
really touted as these like superfoods, like such a great healthy fat. But really, when I think about it from a science perspective, they're neutral to me. Like they're not really providing us with many positive, you know, benefits like some of our other foods. So <laughs> can we quickly break down for our listeners a good fat, a bad fat, and what you would say is a neutral fat? Yeah, sure. So um, our, our good fats are our, our polyunsaturated fats and our monounsaturated fats. So those are the fats which are found in things like our extra virgin olive oil, um, our salmon, nuts, seeds, avocado, and these are the ones which have been shown to have the, the most health benefit. Our bad fats would be more of our, our trans or saturated fats, and so these are the, the ones which are more found in our quite highly ultra-processed foods um, and are more prevalent in a lot of our animal products, so you know, the fat on your meat. I think the if I'm thinking about sort of neutral fats um, or, or the ones that might be found in the middle, I'd be looking at something like coconut oil or, you know, the fat in dairy where you're not going to be consuming a lot of it. There's no real health benefit to it, but incorporating some isn't too big of a deal. That's how I would view that. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I, I normally say to clients, I'm like you, the coconut oil and the saturated fat to me is a neutral fat. It's not as bad as what I once thought. Like if you ask me, when I go through uni, probably nearly 10 years ago now, what I thought about it, I'd say, oh no, you have to get low fat dairy. The saturated fat in dairy is very bad. It behaves just as bad as the other types of saturated fat, like, you know, in a sausage or in a salami. But what we now know from the research is that it's a different, like it behaves differently to other types of saturated fats. But I think the media and a lot of nutrition whatever's online have really <laughs> taken that research and flipped it around and gone, well, if it's not bad, then it's definitely good for you. Yeah. But that's just simply not the case. There aren't really positive associations in health like we have with our other good fats like um, you know almonds and nuts and seeds and avocado and extra virgin olive oil so I call those ones neutral like you do they're not bad for us but I certainly wouldn't be adding them in in huge amounts into my clients diets because we do know that they're just not really providing any of those sort of positive anti-inflammatory effects like some of the other good types of fats are exactly and when it comes to fats and athletes I remember gosh when did I do my sports nutrition course probably seven or eight years ago now fat wasn't really pushed for athletes back then. Has there been a big change in the fat recommendations for athletes? I mean, I know the large majority of athletes, you know, some sports are very aesthetic based. You know, a lot of athletes like to stay lean, they run faster, they move better when they have lower levels of body fat. So fats weren't something we were really recommending. It was all about the carbs and the proteins back then. Has the research changed in recent years to incorporate more fats, particularly when we're talking about these positive benefits like mental health, uh, anti-inflammatory, effects, body composition effects. As a, a practicing sports dietitian, which I'm not, but you are, do you recommend more fats than you did say 10 years ago in your practice? Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I both love and hate about nutrition and, and being a dietitian is it's such an evolving science. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we can only really go with what we know at the time from a, a research perspective that, you know, as as we learn more, recommendations change. And, you know, I, I did the course back in 2012. So what's that, like 11 years ago now? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I think about some of the recommendations that I gave to my clients back then, both in an athletic perspective as well as in a more general nutrition perspective, they're certainly not the same. There's a lot of changes which have um, been made from a specific nutrition suggestion perspective. That's just because research has changed. I think the way that I approach fats in an athlete's diet now is more around helping to again to meet them where they are based on whether they're in a training cycle as well as um, what their overall requirements are and I think something like extra virgin olive oil 
is particularly helpful for athletes with a big energy budget. That's a really easy way of getting some extra calories in without adding a lot of volume to their diet. And you're also adding lots of nutrients in, which is really, really helpful. On the flip side of that for, you know, those more aesthetic sports and people with a smaller energy budget, their requirements are more likely to fluctuate a lot more considerably depending on where they're at in a training cycle or um, or a competition cycle. And again, that's something that we can use to sort of dial things up or down um, depending on what their energy requirements are because they still certainly need those healthy fats in their diet. It's just about being strategic of how much when based on their that individual's specific needs. It's certainly not about less is more anymore for anyone. It's about what, how do we meet requirements overall and tweaking it accordingly. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you're on a tighter energy budget, whether you're an elite athlete or whether your goal is just to drop some body fat, you have to be smarter with the types of fats that you have as well. Because as we know, fats are very energy dense and the right types of fats do have more of a satiating effect than the other types of fats like the trans and the saturated fats, which are generally found bound up in our ultra processed foods, which we know just aren't very satiating um, from a you know appetite perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, if I go with like a couple of quite extreme examples of that, if I'm looking at, say, a dancer who has a, a quite tight energy budget um, but is still very active, incorporating that sort of more volume eating way of eating with the fats, with adequate protein, with adequate carbohydrates works really well so then they're not getting hungry as opposed to an ultra marathoner who I might be like what are all the ways we can add calories in to um, make sure that we're getting enough in your multi-day race that you're competing in. And they're just, there's certainly similarities to those ways of eating, but there's huge amounts of differences. And that's, you know, that's one of the fun things about sports nutrition, right? Is that it's, you know, you can have two athletes with such different requirements and you can have such different outcomes as a result of what they're eating as well. Totally. All right. Now to wrap us up, Speaking about requirements, what does a practical day on a plate look like if we were looking towards the Mediterranean style diet, of course, including things like our extra virgin olive oil for the anti-inflammatory effects, uh, mental health benefits. If you were just an active everyday person like myself, what would you say would be like a practical day on the plate? Or what does that look like for our listeners at home? Yeah, of course. I love this question. And I mean, this is of course going to depend significantly on the person's goals and requirements. But Mm -hmm. if I'm looking at, you know, somebody like you and I, that day on the plate, maybe there's some overnight oats for breakfast um, that's got um, some yogurt, some berries, some nuts and seeds sprinkled over the top. Um, Maybe their morning morning snack, there's coffee. Maybe there's a piece of fruit that goes along with that. Lunch, beautiful salad. I spoke about that earlier um, with your, your chickpeas. Um, maybe there's some fish in there as well. If it's somebody who's a bit more active, we might incorporate some some extra carbohydrates in there too. Of course, with that big drizzle of extra virgin olive oil. I love to do a snack plate as the afternoon thing. I think it's just, you know, a nice sort of way to, to spend the afternoon. And so maybe there's some some olives, some cheese, some hummus, some veggie sticks, some crackers in whatever amounts are required for that individual. And then um, in the evening, maybe there's that barbecue salmon, some veggies, or maybe it's more of a a pasta-based meal um, with that side salad. And of course, with that 
drizzle of the extra virgin olive oil over the top as well. What is the daily requirements for an active individual or even just for good health in terms of, well, how much extra virgin olive oil should we be aiming for each day for the health benefits? Yeah, so the research indicates two to three tablespoons worth of extra virgin olive oil. Mm -hmm. So I know that that sounds like a lot, um, but when we think about those, those benefits I was talking about earlier, it's really worthwhile aiming to get that in. And if you break it down, it actually can be a lot easier to meet that requirement than you might think. So maybe there's a, a tablespoon that you drizzle over that lunchtime salad. Maybe there's a second tablespoon that is drizzled over your vegetables uh, that you are eating at dinner. And as well, incorporating it with your vegetables helps with the absorption of the, um, the fat-soluble vitamins that are in those, those vegetables as well. So it's a bit of a double win. And then maybe you've cooked your salmon in the extra virgin olive oil as well. So that's where some of that extra has come from. And you know, maybe you've put a little bit of a drizzle on the snack plate. Maybe you've actually had some eggs for breakfast that you've cooked in the extra virgin olive oil. So I think it can actually be a lot easier to meet that requirement than it sounds like once you start to break it down. And for our kids as well, a really practical tip that I have for parents of young kids or even school-age kids who do a lot of baking, I tend to sub out the butter amount for a direct amount of extra virgin olive oil. Like say it says a cup of butter in a recipe, I'll use a cup of extra virgin olive oil and I just use the standard stuff. I don't really use my, I was mentioning that I love like the copper infused range. I would just use like the standard extra virgin olive oil for baking. Like I wouldn't yep. use any sort of flavor infusions. Maybe if it was a savory muffin, but I made um, some blueberry muffins for me the other day and I subbed out the butter amount with the extra virgin olive oil. So it doesn't really matter how we use it. Like we can cook with it, we can bake with it, we can cook our protein with it. We just kind of need to get it in for those anti inflammatory benefits, mental health benefits, um, all of those other really wonderful benefits we talked about as well. Um, but I think it's really just around the amount, um, which we're just not getting enough of, are we? And some yeah. of us are fearing it. For some of us, it is a little bit of a budget perspective. But I really think when you think about the cost of other foods, like I was looking at a bag of potato chips the other day and they were like $6 for a bag of like kettle or red rock, like the nice kind of deli style chips. And I was like, when you think about it, I'm like you, I buy my extra version of olive oil when it's half price. And I always look between my like Coles and Woolies catalogs. And really when it's half price, I buy a few bottles, put it at the bottom of my pantry because where you store it matters as well. Like it should be stored in a dark, cool place. You should never, never, ever leave your extra version olive oil on the kitchen counter in direct sunlight because it is so high in anti-inflammatory properties. The sunlight actually breaks that down a lot um, quicker than what we want. So I always store it on the bottom shelf of my pantry. It's in the dark and it'll and last for a while there, particularly when I'm buying at half price. So yeah. some good, I guess, practical tips for our listeners at home as well. I think the other thing to add as well is the smoke point of extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, so it's 220 degrees Celsius. And if you think about when we're cooking, we're rarely going to that heat point when we're cooking anything unless you like really blasting the oven. So usually baking something at about 180, maybe it might be slightly warmer than that, but 180 I think is the you know the most common temperature people would be using. And you know, if you're cooking something in the fry pan, it's usually getting to maybe 120, 170, somewhere in that range, depending on on how hot you've got the pan. And so you're not getting anywhere near that smoke point, which means that you're not denaturing those um, bioactive compounds, which are in the, the extra virgin olive oil, which means that it is completely safe to continue to use. Yeah. And that's a really important point because it is a common, I would say like a myth that you can't cook or you can't use extra virgin olive oil for like 
frying or stir frying or anything like that. But as long as you've got a good quality, um, I'll even go so far as to say Australian brand, then I think it's really important that a good quality extra virgin olive oil does have a very high smoke point. So I think it's a really important tip for our listeners at home because I always have clients who say, oh, I use it on my salads, but I'll use say like, like a rice bran oil or something in my cooking because I know I can't use extra virgin olive oil. And I'm like, I'm curious, where did that come from? Because I think it's just a myth that we keep repeating back to each other and nobody actually knows what the, what the research and science says. So I'm really glad that you brought up that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if I even think back to, you know, that sort of 10, 12 years ago, I'm sure that I actually gave people that advice that, you know, we'll use the extra virgin olive oil as the salad dressing and we'll cook with, with something else because that was what was coming out at that time from a research perspective, but it's just been completely debunked um, that that's not the case. So hopefully that message is loud and clear for people now. Yeah, fabulous. And I think that's a wonderful way to end the podcast with some really sort of topical myth busting of the episode <laughs> as well. So thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on the podcast. Um, you Honestly, you taught me some things today, which is my favorite part about podcasting. Like I get to learn with my listeners as well, which I just love. So love for you to tell our listeners again, where we can find you on your website, where we can follow you on your Instagram account um, and any other, I guess, big take-home messages you love to leave our listeners with yeah awesome thanks so much leanne and it's been lots of fun chatting with you as always um you can find me um my website is chloemcleod.com or my business's website is verdenutrition.co you can find me on insta chloe underscore mcleod underscore dietitian and again verde is just at verde nutrition co on insta as well um and then the same handle on linkedin for both companies or the company and for myself as well mm-hmm. um don't play a lot in um in facebook or anything these days but um yeah those are good ones i think the the biggest take-home message that i would like for people to to go home with today is it um coming back to one of the things we were speaking about at the start of the podcast we've spoken about a lot of things today um and it is about starting where you are so don't feel like you need to change things and go to a a full Mediterranean diet, you know, effective immediately. It's look at where you are, what changes can I build in and how can I move to this way of eating over time rather than trying to change overnight because you want it to be a sustainable change and you want it to be sustainable because it's so worth it from a health perspective, whether we're looking at mental health, whether we're looking at injury and illness, whether we're just looking at overall well-being. Yeah, so many positive um, benefits lifestyle-wise. And I'd even go so far as when you're saying meet me where you are, if somebody is really far from that Mediterranean-style eating approach, take the Meatless Monday. Like I think it's such a fun concept that the whole family can do. But maybe make it a Meatless Mediterranean Monday Ooh, <laughs> and we really like try that. to follow you know, the dietary <laughs> patterns of a Mediterranean style of eating. And if you head to Chloe's Insta, you can find some inspiration about meal ideas and recipes. Maybe you can grab one of hers to try at home with the family. And that way, you know, you, you one day a week, you're doing it already. Just over time, slowly increase that to two days, increase that to three days. And before you know it, you and the family are reaping the benefits of this wonderful dietary style pattern that has so many positive evidence-based health benefits to it. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Chloe, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, Leanne. Always lovely to chat to you. 